Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. If you're wondering why, and hopefully I won't fall into the trap as well, but if you're wondering why everyone's saying good morning, it's because we normally meet or used to meet in the morning. Before COVID hit, we used to meet in the morning. And so for years and years and years, we've been used to kind of standing up saying, good morning, everyone. And it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? So um, we're here and it is this afternoon, in case you're wondering, have you got it wrong? You haven't. It is this afternoon. So welcome. I've got the privilege of continuing our series. If you're just joining us for today, maybe you're visiting because of the baptisms, you're really, really welcome. And if you're joining us, we are looking at the life of Christ, the life of Jesus. And we're trying to learn how we can be authentic Christians, authentic followers of Jesus, and how we can follow him and do that in the way that he wants us to do. And by the way, if, you were, if you're new here, or if it's your first time, maybe, like I say, because of the baptism, and you're not used to people in the church, in the congregation, praying out or speaking out, don't be in any way put off by that. That's what we do here. We believe that when we come together, we come together as a church, and it's not just about the people at the front doing things like I'm doing now, but it's about all of us coming together, and we all worship. The Bible talks about us all having something to bring when we meet together, and so that's why we encourage people to pray out. So if that was a little bit different for you, then thanks for bearing with us, but that's what we do, isn't it, church? Good. So, thank you. Thanks for saying yes. That was good. Um, So, a few years ago, we ran what we called a supernatural school here in Basingstoke. We had a great young lady called Emily Harland, as she was called then. She's married now. But she came and she ran our first couple of schools for us here, and then we went on to run it a few more times, trying to lead it ourselves a little bit more from what we'd learned. And the idea was that we wanted to learn about who we were in Christ, We wanted our identity to be formed as sons and daughters of the living God and who we are in him. And then from that place to go out and share it with other people and to see hopefully signs and wonders, people's lives touched as we went out and and tried to share that message and pray for people, engage with people. And it was really good. I was part of one of those schools and really enjoyed it. And I know others here looking around were part of that as well. One thing that Emily said that really struck with me, uh, stayed struck me and stayed with me, was she, she encouraged us to think, what would it be like if we had Jesus in person next to us? Like if he was our best, best friend, and everywhere we went, he would come with us. And so every situation we went into, every maybe stressful or dangerous situation, or any time we wanted to maybe share something of our faith or step out in some way, we had the person of Jesus in flesh, best friend with us all the time. How would you feel? And I used to think, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? How confident would you feel? Just like, yeah, I could deal with anything if Jesus was standing right next to me. And then she said, well, we may maybe even have one better than that. Because we have God himself in the form of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we literally do. Even though Jesus doesn't walk this earth in person anymore, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, for those of us who've decided to follow Jesus and put our faith in him and and make him our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen? And so we do take God with us into every situation. And that's really struck me. And I just encourage you to remember that as I go on today. So this week, this title was called Depending on the Dependable, looking at the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in continuing the work 
that Jesus started. And then a little bit later, I'm going to read from the back of this book, which is called What Jesus Started. And it's by a guy called Steve Addison. And if you are interested already in what I've shared, or you, after today, you think, actually, I'd like to do a little bit more research, then let me encourage you to get hold of this book, What Jesus Started, by Steve Addison. And like I say, I'll refer to it a little bit later as I go on. But as I was preparing for today, I just felt quite inspired to start to write down some of my thoughts. And I did a piece of writing, if you like, about what I was thinking and how I was preparing and what I believe God was saying to me in preparation for this talk. So I just wanted to read that out. So here we go. Jesus left his place of glory and entered into the mess of this world. Fully God and fully man, but he emptied himself of his divinity. Therefore, his ministry relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Once he'd been baptized and went through the wilderness for 40 days, Jesus announced the start of his ministry, highlighting the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then he lists the basis of his ministry here on earth. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, he traveled around from town to town, healing, saving, and delivering the people he met. His following grew, starting with four fishermen who responded immediately to the call to follow him. He gathered 12 disciples and trained and sent them out to do what he had been doing. The movement grew, and later 72 people were also sent out with instructions to go on ahead two by two, as lambs among wolves. They were to travel light, not get distracted, find the lost, and if they and their message was welcomed, to stay, receive hospitality, share the gospel, and bring the kingdom of God to them. All these people were called, trained, and sent out by Jesus. What a privilege to live with and learn from the Son of God himself. But Jesus wasn't going to walk the earth forever. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. He knew he would rise again and ascend to heaven to sit at the Father's right hand. But he knew the movement couldn't stop there. It has to go to the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only Son. Jesus started a revolution, beginning with 12 ordinary men who would turn the world upside down as they followed Jesus' example of making disciples despite the massive weight of persecution for doing it. But they needed help, help to share the message of the kingdom, help to make disciples, help to endure the troubles for doing so. But if Jesus wasn't going to walk the earth until this huge job is completed, how can it be done? None of Jesus' disciples, both then or now, have the power to do it in themselves. We need God to do it. We need his help. This was Jesus' answer in John 16, 7 to 8. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness 
and judgment. This advocate, this help, is the Holy Spirit. Just before Jesus is about to ascend to heaven to remove his physical presence from the earth, he gives his disciple, his disciples a great commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He confirms the power source when he says in Acts 1, chapter 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice the commands include all nations and to the ends of the earth. A mission impossible on our own, but very possible with the Spirit's power at work within us and in the church. It started with four ordinary fishermen and will end with a great multitude that no one will be able to count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And as Steve Addison writes in this book that I've mentioned, What Jesus Started, it says here on the back cover, sometimes we get so caught up in the power of Jesus shouting from the cross, it is finished, that we forget that Jesus started something. A movement that began small, with intimate conversations that built disciples into apostles who went out in the world and seeded it with God's kingdom vision. That movement grew rapidly and spread wide as people recognized the truth in it and gave their lives to the power of it. That movement still happening today, and we have a part to play in it. The Holy Spirit goes before us, convicting the world of their sin. He lives within us as the fuel source for mission, bringing new creative life and helping us to become more like Jesus. And he stands beside us as the comforter and encourager when life is hard. When I was about 16 or 17 years old, I went to South Africa on a mission trip. And it was a brilliant trip. Went with a load of other teenagers and we had a whale of a time. But it was all pretty spontaneous. Most of the time, we just were told that morning what was going to happen that day. And one particular morning, we were told that we were going to go and visit a prison. And there were 1,200 male prisoners in this particular prison. And we turned up really not knowing what was going to happen. But I was there, and I was playing I'd play my guitar, and I'd, I went and took my guitar, and there was other musicians who were on the trip. So we formed a bit of a band together, and in the churches that we visited and youth groups and stuff, we'd been playing some, some worship songs and leading, leading people in worship. And so we thought, well, we could just go and try that. And so we went, and as we, as we went into the prison, we went through the security system, and then we walked out into this huge courtyard, absolutely massive. And all these 1,200 prisoners were there in this courtyard in their kind of break time and getting some fresh air and exercise. And we saw a four-way power adapter just appear uh, from a window somewhere, and so we plugged in our amplifiers and got our microphone set up and just started to sing our very kind of white and British worship songs. It was delirious at the time. And so we, we were just singing delirious songs, if you know, of that band. And it just wasn't working at all. It wasn't connecting in any way. 
here we are in South Africa and the culture's completely different and we were singing these songs that they didn't know in a way that they wouldn't have sung them and it just was getting a little bit awkward. And so we tried to carry on, tried to break through a little bit and as we were worshipping, this one guy walked to the front, quite a crowd had gathered around and this one guy walked to the front and just started dancing in a really crude and and really concerning, (laughs) spiritually kind of concerning way and we thought, Oh dear, what do we do now? And I didn't know what to do at all, but my friend John, who was also similar age to me, was just playing bass guitar on my right, and he knew what to do, and he just put his hand out towards this man and said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And immediately this guy just stopped dancing in the way that he was, and just walked back and disappeared into the crowd, and we didn't see him again. But we tried another song, I think, at that point, and it just, we knew we needed to stop, it wasn't happening at all. And so we thought, well, what are we going to do? Our one thing that we did, playing these worship songs, wasn't going to work. What, what wasn't working, what are we going to do? And we decided that the only thing we could do was to rely on the Holy Spirit. We knew that the Holy Spirit was with us and in us and somehow wanted to work through us to touch these men, many of whom had gathered around and interested in what we're doing. And so we decided we were just going to offer to pray. And so we said, look, if anyone would like prayer, just form a line in front of us and we'll pray for you, thinking that maybe one or two might do. And a huge line <laughs> developed in front of us. And I looked around and I'd kind of noticed there wasn't much security around. And I saw one prison guard with a piece of hose pipe about this long standing there and that seemed to be it. And we thought, well, if this goes wrong, this is going to go wrong. <laughs> but hey, let's trust God and step out. And as we prayed one by one for these men, God just touched each one of them in some kind of way. And it was just really special. And a couple of them actually fell over in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. Which This one guard was looking around thinking, what is going on? And we thought, well, God's moving. We're just going to have to go with it. But it ended up being a really special time. But we had to realize, like Emily encouraged us to on the supernatural course, that we have God, the Holy Spirit, living in us for those who have chosen to follow Jesus. And I totally believe that when we step out, the Holy Spirit steps out as well. But we need to do that. We need to somehow be in a position where we can say, God, I'm going to trust you. And I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to go for it and see if you want to work through me in some way. I love how the Apostle Paul in book of 2 Corinthians talks about relying on God. He even says that he delights in weakness He talks about a thorn in his side that he prayed three times for God to get rid of, but hadn't. We don't know what that thorn was, but he knew that he could actually see weakness as an opportunity for God's power to be at work. And we felt like that in that prison in South Africa. I felt like it many times. where We think somehow God is going to have to do something here (laughs) because I've come to the end of myself. Billy Graham once said, when we come to the end of ourselves we come to the beginning of God. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. Maybe you can think, if you're following Jesus, of an example for yourself when you had to step out and in some way trust God in order to let him work through you. And my experience has been that the, power, the times when it's most powerful is the times when I really need him. And I need him to show up or else it's going to go a little bit wrong. I've talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit in terms of what Jesus started on this earth and how he 
wants to continue it in his disciples through the power of his spirit. He sends his Holy Spirit at Pentecost to fill each of the disciples, the 120 disciples at the time, and he fills us today if we choose to follow Jesus. And and he works through us in ways like I've described, and like I said, I'm sure many of you have got stories of how that's happened as well. But I just wanted to show a clip, a five-minute clip from one of the Alpha Film Series videos about the Holy Spirit, because it unpacks some other parts of the Holy Spirit, some other things that the Holy Spirit does. And I found it really inspiring just to watch something of that video again in preparing for this. So we're going to play that five-minute clip, and then I'll come and uh, wrap up at the end. Thanks, Alara. In the beginning, there was God. The earth was empty, formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out chaos of the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star, creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner. God sent his Spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The Spirit of the Lord came on him in power. The rope in his arms became like flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled up his spirit for prophecy, be his mouthpiece, bringing direction to his people. The spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, and race. Then, with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounding, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, 
mother of Jesus, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives. New attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel inadequate, ill-equipped. As God's physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. The Counselor. The Helper. The Guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts, takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit, who helps us to break free from bad habits, also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not about what is felt, but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you. Sorry about the sound quality. We need to buy a new lead, I think, don't we? So um, apologies for that. So the Holy Spirit wants to use you. He wants to use your gifts, your talents, all that you do to reach those around you in his mission to see this message of hope go to the whole world. And it starts with a simple yes. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, then that's where it all starts. You need to say yes to Jesus to make him the Lord of your life, to allow him to be your savior. And then Jesus will give you the Holy Spirit to do all the things that we've talked about this afternoon and that was talked about in that video. So I'd encourage you today, if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus and you think there's something in this, I'd like to do that. Maybe you're ready to do that today and I'd encourage you to do that. Or maybe you would like to talk more, spend some time praying or talk to someone about it. Then let me encourage you to do that. But it starts with a simple yes to Jesus, to following him. And if you've already said yes to Jesus, as I know many people here have, then it's a decision day by day to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. It's great to try and wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, what have you got for me today? What situations are you going to take me into with you living inside of me, wanting to get out and affect those around me? So please consider that if you would. Do you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe even today, and receive his Holy Spirit? If you've already done that, then to allow him to guide you day by day and step out as you step out in the situations that you go into. God bless you. Thank you.